What's up, everybody? Episode six of Here for Now. I'm Nate Durow. Sitting on the other side of the glass is our producer, Tyler Floyd. What's up, Hello. Tyler? Hello. Nothing much. If you want to get a hold of us, we're on social media. All three of the big boys, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Here for Now Pod. Uh, you can email us at hereforNowPod at gmail.com. And you can head to our website, which will give you all these things, hereforNowPodcast.com. You can subscribe anywhere that you listen to podcasts. This episode rules. Uh, we got a chance to sit down with my friend, Nicole LaRay, uh, who is the queen of the pyramid scheme, my favorite venue in the world in Grand Rapids, Michigan. We sat in the green room, talked about everything from, man, all kinds of stuff. Charles Bradley and the OCs and how Nicole still likes to go to festivals, even though she's like almost the same age as me, which I just can't conceive. She somehow finds the energy Uh, We talk about how great a mom she is and how she inspired me to be okay with bringing a kid into this world. Nicole's such a badass. She's such a badass. She made me cookies the other day. That was cool. I don't know. I just, I I got so much love for for Nicole LeRae and I'm super excited to kind of share her story with all of you. Um, I I wanted to shift gears though for a second. We've established... I work for a company called Audio Tree. We started a concert promotion company in the Midwest called Audio Tree Presents. We present shows in Michigan and in Chicago at the venues that they own and the venues that I have uh, relationships with over the years. And one of the cool things that we get to do every year is uh, when the cold weather starts to really like set into the point where like we're never ever going to be warm again. This thing happens in Austin, Texas in March called South by Southwest, which is kind of a shit show, but um, it's great to go down and have tacos and get warm. But secondarily, this thing has popped up that Nicole was involved in in the early years called Michigan House. And uh, it's something that Audio Tree is going to sponsor this year. Um, it's this collection of like Michigan based idea people, um, capital people. Uh, providing people and artistic and creative people. And it's just, oh, it's, it's so weird. We live in Michigan and, you know, we drive everywhere. We're, we're not super great in this state about public transit. Um, we're not all in one place. It's not like Chicago where it's like, we're all in Chicago and what even is the rest of Illinois? But there's like Grand Rapids here and there's Detroit and they're two and a half hours apart and it's a huge deal to get a Detroit creative to drive to Grand Rapids to have a meeting or sit down with somebody and it's it's as if they they're in Detroit and or Michigan and Texas it's that it feels like they're that far away so we all go to Texas when we're cold and we want tacos and we go to this thing called South by and we sit in this thing called the Michigan house and we all get together and just like do the thing that it feels like we should just be doing when we're here of just like getting in a room and talking about our goals and our dreams and and what we want to build. And, you know, that thing that we've been putting off for years and years and years. And it's just such a neat, neat thing. So uh, Michigan house is just, uh, just now kind of coming online for 2020. Um, The the website's been updated. The videos are out there. So go to michiganhouse.org and check it out. It's a really 
cool thing. And it, it's one of those things where you could sit in the same space for three days and find out all this amazing stuff that's happening in the neighborhoods, anything from like urban development and water quality and, and job stuff and uh, tech and music and art and all these things just come crashing together in this like central location. It's super, super cool. And Nicole, to, to draw this back to Nicole, Nicole was a big part of that for the first couple of years. And she's just that type of person. She's like this hub for Grand Rapids specifically with her work at the radio station, with her work at Pyramid Scheme. She runs a record label. Like she's a connector and uh, just a super powerful, super gracious human being. We sat in the green room of the Pyramid Scheme, kind of crammed ourselves in there and the refrigerator was running in the background and um, it was cold but it was really cool to like stare up at the wall and see like all the signatures and all the doodles and all the different stuff that was drawn on the walls of the pyramid scheme. It was like nine years of history that we were all kind of absorbing while talking. And uh, she's just got a lot to say. So I'm really excited um, to give you my interview with Nicole LeRae. Thanks for doing this, Nicole. Yeah, thanks for having me. We've, we've been friends for a long time. And yeah. uh, recently it's like kind of intensified a little bit as I've been making changes in life. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I appreciate your support. Nicole LeRae, venue and booking manager of the Pyramid Scheme and also like 700 other things that we'll get into later. Yeah, sure. Because in this business, that's what you do, right? Yeah, you, you have can't like just tw- have one gig. 23 jobs. Right, Yeah, right. so... We did that, but I, I want you, um, it's funny when we sat down, we're, we're sitting in the green room at the pyramid scheme and Nicole pointed out that she's never s- just sat here and looked at the walls and like right. kind of, and it, it's a little bit overwhelming and exciting to like see nine, nine years now. Yeah. It'll be, uh, nine years in that we've spring. been open in April. Yeah. yeah. So there's eight and a half years of, of history, just like stickers and, and, Dick pics and right. or not dick pics, that's <laughs> drawings. Not, yeah, dick drawings <laughs> and the word dick, uh, right. long dick over here. Yeah, um, all on the walls. So um, I always start these podcasts off with a simple question. Okay, I want you to describe where you are, as like uh, physically in the space, or I want mentally. you to take it however it first comes to you. Okay, um, I feel like I am about to be 40 and about to join my club. Yeah. I'm about to be 40 and I feel like something, some kind of turn is coming and not necessarily because of like the the age and what that marks. But, um, I feel like that's finally going to make me feel like I'm an adult. I guess I never have, I don't have, I have never felt that way yet that I'm like 100% grown. Okay. Um, um, let's see, where am I? Um, this place that we're sitting in physically is like my second home and I, there's so much history that's happened here and it's a place that I get to come in every day and share with different people every day. Um, so it's almost like you get to have different people over at your house, Yeah, which is really cool. Without having them at your actual house. Right. Yeah, exactly. Which I'm sure you probably do a lot of that too. Yeah. You seem yeah. like a pretty, uh, yeah, come stay at my place. You know, sure. Yeah. Um, 
that question uh, is is something that I I don't know I found kind of like joy in in seeing the different ways that people feel that question because mm-hmm. some people start with like the geography I'm in Grand Rapids I'm in the pyramid scheme I'm yeah. in this place and uh, you met John Ugolini at the Ticket Web Conference yes. uh, Chicago promoter I met guy. him on a boat in Austin because of oh. you actually oh right 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 yeah, yeah. and uh, he started immediately with like his mental state. Mm-hmm. And then we had Monique Doran on and she's the graphic designer for Riot Fest. And she started with the colors that she saw in the room. Right. And it's like, it's such a, there's a depth to us, right? Yeah. We all, we all are known as this thing. Like you're the venue and booking manager for the pyramid scheme. I'm the talent buyer for audio tree presents. Tyler plays in Parkway and Columbia. And those are like the things that we do. But I think the the really interesting stories and the really interesting things that I want to dig into with this thing is like, I want to take it from the level of like, this is what you do. Mm -hmm. And I want to take it to like, this is who you are. Okay. Understanding who you are. Got it. And so I'm going to have to understand who I am in order for that to happen. Maybe, but maybe we can, (laughs) maybe, maybe that's, this is a good exercise in like getting there together. Right. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, 40 is, uh, I just hit that that milestone uh what 6 months ago ago now and it feels about the same. Yeah, I I'm sure it will. Yeah, it's just a number and yeah. it is whatever. Um I guess when you asked me where I am, I immediately thought of a timeline of yeah. life and sort of being like if I'm if I'm lucky halfway through it. Yeah, I well and and as an events person, a calendar is where you kind of start mm-hmm. like where am I? It's what do you, I don't even know what day it is. It's Wednesday. Yeah, it's Wednesday. <laughs> um so yeah, I mean, we look at where I am as to like, yeah, a time. Yeah, but also like that's that's the answer to when I am. Mm-hmm. When are you? Right. You know. Right. Um, tell me about the 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 very condensed version of the last thirty nine years that has led you to this part of your life. So like, tell me about little Nicole. Okay. Tell me about family life, where you grew up, all that kind of stuff. Okay. And then we'll get into the career stuff later, but I just want to get a quick overview of like, what was little Nicole's life like? Okay. And every time I, I keep doing this, I keep going little Nicole, little, 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 little T, uh, <laughs> we've got a little uh, rap group that we're going to form with every guest from this show. That's just going to be little, little, little Okay. Little. I want to do the beats. Are you little, little Cole then? Yeah. I'll little be a little Cole or a little Nene because my oh, mom calls right. me that sometimes. Yeah. All right. So tell me about um, little Nene. So I was an only child till about 12. So those first 12 years were, um, I found friendship in music because I was very shy, painfully shy. Um, I don't even think I spoke a word in school until maybe the second grade. Oh, wow. I don't know why I was so afraid of people, but, um, or just even expressing myself, but I was. So I spent a lot of hours alone in my room listening to music. Um, I had a double decker cassette player, so I would create shows where I would record songs off the radio and then dub those onto another tape and then insert myself as a host of talking about what song was played and why. Um, also I would do the news, which was fake news stories that I would make up. And then of course. And now you live in the era of fake news. I know, right? Crazy. (laughs) I was preparing for this. Yes. Um, I would even go as far as to do commercials too, like either okay. commercials that I had memorized from the television, which was also a good friend of mine growing up. And, um, or I would also make up fake commercials too. So I started doing that. Um, I would 
once I got more confident in, um, in myself and in speaking, I got a tape recorder with a microphone attached and I used to go around and interview my family members. Oh, that's so cool. One of my family members, my mom's oldest brother, Les, um, he and I were like music junkies. So he had records and, um, he would play me records and show me how to use a turntable and this is how you cue up a song and, um, so him and I like really bonded over music and he always encouraged me to keep exploring yeah. through music. And then, um, instead of getting a lot an allowance every week for doing my chores, I asked if I could be brought to the music store and get a tape. Oh, damn. And so that went on for years and yeah. then I created a big, um, cassette collection and then, you know, Getting older, um, you still have that tape collection. I I have a lots of them. Have you noticed through my socials? I've just been I, yes, I, I, and I wanted like, to go through mine to see if there was any I could give you like that you pe- would like. Pe- people know everything about me because I'm a classic oversharer on the internet. <laughs> but like, I've been collecting tapes lately, and it it's a weird like it was it was literally just walking into one record store and seeing all the tapes I had on the mm-hmm. wall, and like nostalgia is big for me, but I also like have to it has to click with me and it went from like tapes are dumb like why would anybody want to go back to tapes when we have digital and we have Mm record you know like vinyl i get i guess because it's the big art and the big you know the 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 whole thing um but it clicked immediately and now it's an obsession it's become like obsession level in like six weeks and that's that's terrifying that if that's not a definition of who i am uh nothing is but (laughs) so we're gonna we're gonna shift the direction of this podcast to only talk about tapes for the rest That's of the That's fine. <laughs> uh, so I, I noticed, you know, because obviously bands come in and I like to check out what they're carrying for merch. Sure. Yeah. And I would say the last, what, five years, like tapes have come back. Yeah. And yeah, people are doing it. It's cheap and it's something that people can leave a show with. It's tangible. Nobody's going to play a CD anyway. And a CD like from like a, from like a physical tangible was never that cool. Right. It just the artwork. It just. I mean, yeah. it was when but, they came out. They were pretty cool. But. Yeah, but like the cases break super easy, and the CDs scratch, and like yeah, I mean tapes. There's problems with tapes too, but like I don't know something about that. Like you could skip a song way easier with the CD. That sure. was the, the benefit. But you know, I, I think we skip a lot of things in life in 2019 that we used to have to like struggle for, like mm-hmm. the the secret track at the end of the tape that you right. had to like fast forward or like you had to just wait rewinding and all that kind of stuff. And there yeah. was like a, a a little bit of magic in that. It was I also just awesome. like, it's also just like, okay, I'm glad that I can just skip ahead on a DVD or a CD or mm-hmm. whatever, but taking so. the pencil and having to rewind it when it, when it gets eaten by the player. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was a rare treat. Yes. Things our life. kids will never understand. Right. I was, uh, my, my four-year-old can, um, she can go, she gets up every morning, crawls in bed with us, grabs a remote control, turns on the TV, goes to Disney plus or to Hulu or to Netflix, depending on what show she wants to watch. She knows how to get to her little like kids profile, mm-hmm. find the, the, ep- find the show and then find the episode. This kid's four. Right. And it's like, and then she grabs the iPad and like flips through Spotify and just like finds stuff that is kids stuff. And it's like, Watch out now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And now now we have to pay attention to every second of every day. Right. So anyway, uh, you had a tape collection and and records around the house. Yeah. And my uncle and I were like always bonded and he always had on at the house this radio station. And um, I always thought 
yeah, they just kind of play everything. What is this? Yeah. And he said, well, it's it's a local in town here, and all the people on it are volunteers. And his eyes kind of lit up, and he was like, you should do this. You always, as a kid, right. remembered the tapes that I made, and he said, you should go apply to volunteer to program a radio show. And I was like, okay, I'm, I will try out, or whatever it took. So that station being WICE, which has been around since 1987 here and started in Wyoming, it's now in Grand Rapids over on Bridge Street. Um, And basically, back when I applied, which I want to say was probably 2004, um, you fill out an actual piece of paper and you you mail it in. Sure. And they ask you some questions like, who are some artists that we play that you like? Who do you you listen to that we don't play kind of thing? How old are you? Blah, blah, blah. I think I probably sent in three or four applications. They, I just never got into the class. It, sure. they, they only accepted a certain amount of people. And at the time, I think the culture of the station was very, um, you know, it was white male, uh, mostly, you know, in the like 50 years old. Well, public plus. radio at that time, my dad longs for that. Like right. he, he bitches and moans about public radio now because it's used to be like all the bluegrass shows mm-hmm. and the folk shows and they Matt, don't like it when it changes. Matt Watroba and, and like, you know, all these like, uh, what was the one bluegrass show that was like a big NPR thing that he just like, you know, there's Prairie Home Companion, obviously, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But it was like, yeah, it was all targeted and like, this one place where my dad hung out, right? Right. And it wasn't as wide angle as mm-hmm. it as it is now. Right. Yeah. And that's been something that the station has, I want to say, like in the last five years, has really opened up. But anyways, they right. finally let me in because I bugged them a lot. Nice. I kept going and tapping on their shoulder and saying, I want to do this. Why not? Yeah. Why can't I get in? Yeah. We were, we were talking at Audio Tree yesterday about like the type of people who don't take no for an answer. Mm-hmm. And you have to in this business, like, right. like there's, there's a lot of like pa- passive folks that are just like waiting for it to come to them. And you've never been that, like, you've always been that, at least since I've known you like this, no, that's mine. And, it, or maybe it's not mine, but I want it to be mine. I want, right. I want to be part of that. I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep yeah. yelling. I'm going to keep stomping. I'm going to keep being yeah. present. I'll be the first one there and the last one to leave. I'll be at the conferences. I'll be at the festivals. I'll yeah. be not afraid to say hello, which is a stark contrast to the little girl. That, I know what happened, but, but I think, <laughs> I think, you know, I, I, uh, I grew up collecting baseball cards and it uh-huh. wasn't just like collecting baseball cards. It was like the organization of them and like sorting them by number, sorting them by who hit the most home runs, sorting them by team. Like that was my childhood, like recording of a show. But I also mm-hmm. used to do all kinds of stuff with like, I would build these forts and have tickets for things and like a ticket box and all this. Look at that. So like it didn't, it it wasn't concerts. It was just like, like a train ticket or something to to get on the train that I had built out of a blanket fort, you know? And it was really just me kind of doing that with myself. You know, my little brother was over playing video games and my parents were being my parents. And it was just like, that was my imagination coming together. And now you realize like, you know, I always joke that like what I do for a living is build spreadsheets. Right. But I build spreadsheets that are like what I used to do with data and statistics mm-hmm. and, and, but also it was like statistics, but it was also like in a weird way, like sorting people into like, like mindedness, I right. guess. Yeah. You know, if you had, 
in baseball cards, if you had home run hitters and you wanted to sort by home runs, you had all the power hitters over here. Mm -hmm. But if you wanted to sort by like stolen bases or whatever, who are all the fast guys, they were all over here, you know? And it like, I didn't realize until kind of recently, like, Oh, so organized. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And you are like this, like leader of people and this media person and this person that like, just takes like a band that you love or an artist that you love and just like, here, you need to love this. Yeah. Please love it. Love it. Like I love it. Please. I'm begging you. So, um, so YC is part of the story. Yes. So you grew up here in Grand Rapids, like yes. your life lifetime Grand Rapids to this point. Basically, yeah. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. West Michigan, uh, yeah. what up? Oh, yeah, what? don't remind me. <laughs> sometimes yeah. that makes me sad, but sometimes I'm like... Dude, you travel so much. You're right. And I and get like, to come back here, which is it's great to be a part of something that's evolving. Yeah, and like... You and I are very similar in that regard. I, uh, You want to play... The, you. I'll one up you on that one. I literally can open my front window and the high school that I went to is across mm. the street. Mm-hmm. So I have not left my high school with like a thousand foot radius of my high school in my adult life. So like at least maybe you've moved around a little the bit, city yeah. a little right, bit. Right. Um, but you just like uh, myself and my wife, um, you find time to see the world. Like that's your expendable income is not maybe building stuff or having a lot of things or whatever. I live in an apartment. I'm 40 years old. I've never owned a house. Um, I'm kind of fiending to have a backyard for my kid. Um, but we just like, let's travel instead of doing Mm -hmm. investing in that. Let's invest in experiences as opposed to investing in that. Where did that get, where was that born? Because my parents didn't, my, when we went traveling, it was camping up north. We didn't travel at all. We That's didn't have probably money. where it was born because we didn't do hardly any of that either. Um, and, and also there's something about um, just wanting to experience other places. Yeah. And that is just something that's. Um, I guess that's always been in me, like when, wanting to travel. When did that start for you? Um, I I want to say probably my first big trip was... With my dad's side of the family, my aunt happened to be dating this very rich gentleman at the time who was trying to impress her. And he was like, I'm going to take your whole family to Hawaii. And she was like, my whole family? He's like, yeah, your brothers, nieces, bringing everyone. And so we all got a paid trip to Hawaii. And I was just blown away by the ocean and palm trees. And wow. So I think it started there. There was something that sparked in me and it was like, I want to go see everything as much as I can. And, you know, I, I think one of the things that, uh, maybe not being 40 per se, but being in our age Mm -hmm. bracket, some wisdom, you know, I I think there's, uh, we, we figured out that everywhere that you go, whether you go to Austin or you go to Hawaii or you go to New York or wherever, like they're magic, there's magic there, but there's also like hardship Mm -hmm. and difficulty and all of that. So like home to me has kind of, uh, solidified itself as like, I'm going to equally love and hate Heartland for the rest of my life. Right. Just like you probably have that same feeling mm-hmm. for Grand Rapids. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I've finally figured out and grown comfortable with the fact that if like I moved somewhere warmer, I would hate and love that as equally as I right. hate and love. And you'd be paying way more in rent. <laughs> right. And having to work more and whatever, you know, like, right. You settle into your thing, mm-hmm. and I feel like you know you, you kind of quip that you you haven't found yourself or whatever. But I would argue the the opposite. Uh, 
you know, somebody like me who, you know, I've told you this before, but like, I looked at you and how you parent that little girl Mm -hmm. and how much fun you guys have. And, you know, social media is always going to show the best of that. Right. So I know that, you know, there's nights where it's like, I just can't fucking take it anymore. Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, I'm not going to put that on social media. Sure. But, (laughs) but you, you were one of a couple of people that gave me confidence that I could bring a kid into this world. Hell yeah. Like, like if you, with your crazy lifestyle and your travel and being here late nights and, Working literally all the time, Mm -hmm. constantly answering my emails at one o'clock in the morning, but also at six o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. Like if you, if Nicole can, can parent this kid and they can be this smiley, you know, and again, you know, you're on the swing set or whatever it is. I was just like, I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you have support, you know, you have a great partner. That's 100%. The only reason that I can do it. Yeah. And Clancy's a... It seems like a real good dad. Yeah, absolutely. A real good dad. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's exciting. I mean, you know, I, I give all, all of my benefit, all of my thanks in the world to my wife who, dude, it, <laughs> she's the best mom that there ever will be. Right. But I think we're all supposed to think that or not think that, but like feel that, you mm-hmm. know, if we're, if things are clicking, right? Yeah. Like she just stepped up when the kid got double pink eye. Right. And she's just been like, it's what you do. All, yeah, you have to. Yeah. You kind of have to. So I want to rewind a little bit. Okay. Let's go back to that tape collection, that record collection, those early memories of music. Yes. What music was being played around oh your family? Like when, what was the earliest memories of like what? Oh my God. Bands, okay. So I, probably my earliest years. So I was like an MTV kid. So I think MTV was born the same year I was. So music videos were starting to become really popular. So watching whatever was airing on MTV, um, my mother was a huge fan of The Doors and Stevie Nicks. So like Fleetwood Mac, but also like Stevie Nicks solo stuff. Sure. So Early on, I really only I only thought that those were the only two bands that existed because yeah. I didn't hear anything else played at the house. Sure. Um, my mom used to joke that I used to always ask for Jim Morrison to be played. Nice. That's what I wanted to hear. Yeah. Um, because that's what I thought music was. And so then um, MTV sort of opened my eyes to more music. So then, of course, I'm listening to like whatever pop music yeah. videos were yeah. being made then. Um, my Did you dad, always have cable in the house? Um, no. If we did, it was like maybe a f- few channels, sure. but not like the full. But MTV. MTV, see, see, MTV had to was be this there. thing that I only did when I was at my buddy's house because okay. we didn't have cable at home. Right. But it still had that same impact on me. So I yeah. can imagine somebody who could just flip it on at any time, just like it blew my mind. Yeah. You know, yeah. like like I've you know I I'm an emotional guy, but I can honestly say that like. There were tears when Kurt Cobain died. Of course. And when Tupac died. Of and, course. And like, those were like 14 year old me was around when like smells, smells like teen spirit broke. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I was like 16 when Dookie hit and like, you know, Pearl Jam and Metallica and, and all of that, like, uh, Soundgarden and all that stuff was like completely elevated by being, having a visual to go along yeah. with it, to have the videos. And that's to, the memory you have too. When you hear the song, you can go right back to it. And how hard did was. you have to work to find the songs that you want? You know, we all have it on our phone now, right? We can yeah. just pull up any song anywhere we're at, but 
you would watch an entire 120 minutes or an entire uh, Headbangers Ball yes. or an entire, uh, I forget all the other little like specialty shows, just for maybe a chance to see that one Alice in Chains video or mm-hmm. that one um, whatever, you know, was going on at that point. And it was like, but you never knew, right. you know, so you may not hear that song again until for another week or yeah, another month. Wait. It was so hard to get music except for to buy it and start a collection. Right. So what were your early tapes and records? Did you, that so I, you that I with, bought? Yeah. So you started with tapes. There were records in the house with your uncle and everything, right, but right. your first music that you owned was tapes? Yes. Yeah. So, um, so my mom was listening to a lot of that stuff. My dad was listening to only like, <clears throat> like hair bands as we call them. Okay. Yeah. So that sort of influenced my collection a little bit too. I like, don't know like a lot Poison about your dad, and, but, but the pictures yeah. I've seen, he, right. yeah, that dude. He's still listening to those sure, bands. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. It's like Poison and Rat and Motley Crue and all yeah. that stuff like yeah. infiltrated um, some of my tape collection. But I think one of my first tapes that I bought on my own was Debbie Gibson. Oh shit! And then probably Madonna, okay. um, George Michael, yeah, Belle Biv DeVoe, yeah. Bobby Brown. Oh damn! Um, so all that kind of stuff that you'd probably hear if you went roller skating at the roller rink. Yeah, you know. Were you a roller skating kid? I went to roller skating. Yeah, Terry uh, Hall. I was time. I was a roller skating kid. Yeah. Too. So all those things, and then yeah. things my parents were listening to. My friends, my parents' friends, who I thought were cool. It takes two to make a thing go right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my mom dated a guy who was in a band, and our basement was their practice space. Uh, so I listened to a lot of them. I don't know if they ever put anything out, but their band was called Why Not. I'll never forget that. Why not? And what? Not? What? Did, what were they playing? Like a rock band, like nineties, like in that, like eighties. Like, oh, okay, stuff. okay, yeah. all right. All um, right. So yeah, that, I, I think that probably those pop artists were my favorite or my first purchases. MC Hammer. Yeah. Salt and pepper, had, that kind of had, stuff. Had the hammer tape. I, yes. uh, my parents bought my first couple, so I, I still see them a lot when I'm collect like like when I'm perusing record stores or the internet, mm-hmm. like looking for tapes that I want. But the first two I had was a Richard Marks tape and that white state white snake with like still of the night and like I don't know what it was the the white snake tape. Here, so. here I go again. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah with yeah. the Tawny Katane video. Yes. Yeah. 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 We can't forget her. David Coverdale, I think, was the singer. Or whatever. I don't know. He, yeah. It was. Uh, it's funny that that was the era that like my parents started feeding me, and then mm-hmm. I pretty immediately, you know, got Nevermind and got the Black Album from Metallica and got um, Run DMC, right? And kind of go went in that direction as well. And like, I think that was like fifth, sixth grade. Right. Where it's just like, and it's funny the 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 best memories and the most like. Uh, specific memories I have of tapes other than like labeling them wrong. So they didn't know that I had Snoop Dogg's like uh, oh, doggy style <laughs> on purpose. I would label them as like a right. baseball game or something. Cause my mom used to like record some of like opening day for the Tigers. So right. I'd be like, like opening day, 1993. Right. And it She's was never like, going to look at that. Right. And it was Snoop Dogg's doggy <laughs> style. And then I would like listen to that with headphones on. I um, got the opposite. My mom bought me that CD at the local dang. record store. In 1993, and the clerk looked at her and said, ma'am, you know that this is really inappropriate for maybe a daughter your age. And my mom goes, 
she's fucking heard everything. Right. It's fine. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so. Meanwhile, my mom was the one that was like starting to catch wind that some of this was going on. Mm-hmm. So she would like come home with a DC talk tape from the oh, Bible store, right. you know, and I would never ever listen to it and yeah. eventually like gave it to someone who was like, I don't want this crap. <laughs> um, and then the other thing was I used to mow the grass for the neighbor with my Walkman on. Mm-hmm. So it was like Stone Temple Pilots' Purple Album and the Allison Chains, I think it was self-titled, and Jar of Flies, like, were like my lawn mowing music. But right. some reason that sticks with me very clearly. Like, I can remember shutting the, the, the lawnmower down to, like, flip tape sides or right. something, or, like, stepping away from it. I don't know. It's just wild. So... WYC. Yes. So I both of them enough and they finally let me in to the class. And that was where music started as like a thing that you were doing. Did you go to school for like something else or what was your, what was your like path? Cause this is volunteer. You're not, are you thinking like this is where you start and you're going to become the next like Matt Pinfield? Right. No, not, I wish that would be cool. Um, my dream used to be that I wanted to make music videos, but, um, I ended up going to school for, Education, and then I switched my major to business management and marketing, which I feel like everybody did in 2001 or whatever. I did that exactly in the year <laughs> 2000. 2000. No, 2000. Yeah. It was like a hot major to have marketing major back then. I don't See, know why. See, to me, it, was, it wasn't marketing. It was just business management. But mine was like, I could go into any business. It was like I couldn't, mm-hmm. I didn't want to do architecture anymore. Right. So I, which again, you know organizing and you yeah. know, building and stuff that, right. that that made sense. But yeah. Yeah. So I, I bugged them enough. They let me in the class. I took the class. I think my first time on air was 2005. So I'm coming up on 15 years. Uh-huh. Um, I did a midnight to three show for on Saturday nights for years. And then I got upgraded to daytime. Uh, I used to do a Wednesday noon to three show, and then I got moved over to what they call drive time show, three to six, which I've been doing on Tuesdays for, I don't know, maybe almost 10 years, eight to 10 years um, in that same slot weekly. So, um, And then over the course of, of volunteering there, I actually got hired on staff, and I did that for about eight years. I did community relations, so um you know, donor communications, organizing donations, making sure people got what they asked for, yeah. organizing events, and that also ended up turning into doing some concerts. Uh-huh. So um, I had a little bit of experience in that. Um, at the same time, um, of course, because that was only a part-time gig, um, I started working at The Meanwhile, which yeah. is Jeff and Tammy's other bar. And they're the owners of the Pyramid Scheme. And they're the owners for, of the Pyramid Scheme. For those of us that yes. aren't sitting in the green room. Right. With full knowledge of what yes. this place is. Yeah. Um, and and I, I remember talking to Jeff about he had this dream that he had about this place. Sure. And back then, that's what it was. You know, yeah. it was a dream. And I said, if you ever, if that ever comes true, I would love to be a part of it. So just keep me in mind. Right. And that's how we ended up here. Um, but yeah, so YCE, I was there, I was working on staff. I started working at, meanwhile, I was also working at this place called Jukes Bar, which was on the West side, which we had live music there every Friday and Saturday. Right. Um, so I was managing that place and sometimes booking bands, but mostly just doing like the flyers for shows and stuff, learning how to use Photoshop 
early Photoshop. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's kind of where like the, sh- the show started and promo for shows started was back at that, that Jukes bar, yeah. which was a lovely place. And I feel like it, it only existed for a blip of time, but that blip is like so memorable. And there are so many people who felt at home there and miss it so much. Yeah. We, have, you know, my, my story is similar, but not in bars. It was more in like weird house or not house, like hall show type mm-hmm. spaces, but the same thing. It was like this flawed, these flawed spaces that had all these problems. And at the, at the time it was just like, Oh, if I have to do another show with a like, the, <laughs> but then you look back and it's like it was this special, like, yeah. exciting time where some of the stuff that happened, you know, looking at the walls here, you're just like, wow, oh shit, I forgot all about mm-hmm. that. Or mm-hmm. like, remember when that happened? Right. I just saw the lot of Spute guys uh, twice. I went and saw them at St. Andrews and then went and saw them at the Metro in Chicago last night, night before last. And every time I see those guys, even even though it's a totally different ball game, I like go whooshing back to 2006 and like right. putting them in the opera house on the floor back when they didn't want to play on stages. There was no stage there, but like they preferred to play rooms that were just like they were on the same level as the band. And, you know, it went from like they opened a show for played for five people, but really impressed me to like eventually building in like a year's time up to where they were drawing 300 people on their own in Howell, Michigan, of all places. Right. You know, and you're just like, man, that shit was cool. Right. And everything's different now. Yeah. It's not a bad different. It's just a different different. Right. Like that, that, uh, we have a little less control. Right. But yeah, there's some machine that's working here that I don't quite understand. Which we're all part of. (laughs) And and there are people who identify us as being like part of the machine Mm -hmm. and maybe even a little bit of a negative way. And we were talking about that with John yesterday about how, you know, how to handle, like if there's an abuser in the community Mm -hmm. that you find out about or something like that, you try your best to do it to the best of your ability. And sometimes Mm -hmm. you just fuck up and end up the bad guy. Right. And I feel like those rules are, being written as we go. Sure. Yeah. Too. So, yeah. Um, yeah, those are, those are things that we all need to figure out together. So, um, you're at YC. Yeah. You're, you're doing jukes. You're mm-hmm. at the meanwhile. Yeah. When does this place open? So I feel like I came into a meeting with the Vandenbergs. I want to say like January of 2011. And they asked me to come on board. And that meeting was at the meanwhile. And I remember leaving feeling so excited. Yeah, And just like, this is something brand new that I'm going to be able to be a part of that I'm passionate about. And I'm going to be able to be a part of it from the beginning and be able to watch it grow. Yeah. Um, I'm so, feeling, I'm feeling a little bit of that right now for yeah. myself, which is a, like a feeling that I had forgotten, you know, like yeah. kind of when we started fusion 12 years ago. And before that, when I started doing hall shows, I remember that like, but I've got, now I've got more, uh, a history to draw from to not make some of the same mistakes. Mm -hmm. So um, tell me about that. Like first, so you're, you're, you're there before the buildings open. You're like part of the team who's building the place out and making decisions. And so what was, what was that all like? Like, what were you, Um, what what, what did you want to accomplish and what did they want to accomplish? And has it changed? And that's a huge question. Yeah. I don't, as far as what they want to accomplish, I can't really speak for them, but I know that, um, you know, Jeff wanted a space he wanted to fill the void of a venue of this size in town. Um, yeah. He was involved. They were both involved in the DAC. Yep. Um, which was, you know, like a smaller show space. Um, but 
I, I'm not, I, this part of town was, was considerably still underdeveloped or sort of abandoned. Sure. Even back then, now it's, you know, people live down here, which is crazy to me to see people walking their dogs. Yeah. Downtown. I was yeah. like, oh, yeah, people live downtown now. Yeah. That wasn't the case before. Yeah. Grand Rapids um, is a crazy explosion yeah. story over so a I, short time. Yeah. I, I know that they wanted to fill that void. They wanted it to be a place for, um, for you know, independent artists and um, both musically and, you know, with, with, um, with art in general. And I remember Jeff asking me if I wanted to see the building once they closed on it. And I was yeah. like, yeah. And it was, um, you know, it was gravel floors. It and was like, yeah. yeah, I mean, but I had been in here before when it was Maxie's. So oh, it okay. used to be a club, yeah. um, that I used to sneak into underage. All right. Um, and there was like dancing and, you know, stuff. illegal stuff going on stuff. Yeah. But, um, things. So I remember that the space as that. Right. Um, but yeah, just, I think he brought me in after they had hauled some things out. So it was just potential. Yeah. You know, like he was showing me, this is where we're going to divide the building in half. And this is where this is going to go. And this is where the stage is going to go. We're going to have, you know, two um, raised floors on either side. And here's where the bar is going to be. And I was just like, it was hard for me. Sorry. It was hard for me to see it all. But he obviously is an artist who had a vision and knew exactly what, what he wanted. So, um, he was like, we're going to have this floor tile, this crazy floor tile. Yeah. And, um, I remember the first show we ever did, we had some um, some Grand Rapids bands play to kind of, you know, soft shake op- things soft out. Open. Yeah, and just make sure that we had everything ready for our big <coughs> grand opening weekend, which was going to be guided by voices for two nights. Right. Um, so I remember there was a band called Chance Jones, and mm-hmm. they were playing um, our first ever show. And I remember looking down at those tiles and looking at my feet and getting a little emotional because I thought this is going to be my home and so much and a home right. for so many people. Yeah. And this is just the beginning. And I just remember like, I'll never forget that. I'll never forget the band playing. I remember what song they were playing. They were playing Six String Highway right when I had that thought and like looking yeah. around and thinking, this is so exciting. Yeah. That's like a deep moment that, that like helps define and it helps... I mean, there's so many that I've had in this room, you know, that like help when you're having a bad day and you're mm-hmm. like, okay, I got to find something deep in the, in the recesses of my mind to get me through this shitty day that I'm having. And there's yeah. been so many celebratory moments and so many great shows and so many of all of that. So for you to like have that vision early on is, yeah. is pretty defining of, I think, who you are. Yeah. I'm, I'm a very emotional person and, yeah. and pretty sensitive. I, I think for this business anyways, sometimes I get hurt feelings, but also my feelings are just big on every aspect of feeling. Yeah. So when I'm like really excited, I'm excited. When I'm really sad, I'm sad. But big on optimism. Yeah, I try to be. Yeah, yeah, and also I'm big on pessimism. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Coming down to it, but yeah, it kind of goes both ways. But when I'm in here and there's a room full of people and I see people are happy, even like even if my day has been shit or if it's not like my favorite band, but everybody is here seeing their favorite yeah. band, then that changes everything. Then it's all worth it. It's like it's like that day when you like are real cold and you walk into a space that like the heat is definitely on mm-hmm. and you're like that that warmth immediately hits you and starts to soak in and it's right. like that transitional feeling between like I've been freezing all day, mm-hmm. but that first feeling of warmth is just like, oh my God. Or right. 
taking it to traveling, you know, mm-hmm. in March, that first time you step out of the plane and Austin take your coat and off. South by and you're oh. just like, you step out into the sunshine. You're just like, all right. Yeah. I don't know why I'll, I, I'm never going back. Right. Yeah, never, exactly. ever going back. I'm going to throw know. my coat in the garbage at the airport. Right. And every year, you know, I mean, you know, the South by routine, like every year I'm like, I'm not going. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, and then you go and you have a great time. Well, but it's also like February. You're like, I have to go. Right. I have to go. Mm-hmm. And the one year I didn't go was just around like waiting, you know, like prepping for Finley to be here. Or maybe it was the first after we had Finley. But either way, it was, it was had to do with a baby either on the way or, or a baby just arriving. Um, and that year I was just like, I didn't get my warmth in uh-huh. the middle of March that right. like got me to the end. Exactly. You know? Yeah, you need it. It's not even that South by is that great. It's cool. And mm-hmm. all my people are there and there's tacos everywhere and all that kind of thing. But like, it's a marathon. It's become part of like my thing now. Mm-hmm. Of like, I have to go get warm. I have to go get sunshine just yeah. so I can survive these last like annoying six weeks of like, it's cold now. There's, it's spring. Now it snowed again. Right. Ice storm. Yeah. I was born April 11th in, in like one of the worst ice storms in history. Like, my dad had to like move fallen trees to get my mom to the hospital. Oh, so, wow. like, Mid April, you're like, you think about it and you're like, oh, April flowers, spring. Mm-hmm. No, it's it like, never is. It's the, that's <laughs> the most miserable, like, snowstorm you get is the one that you get when it's supposed to be. Right. Um, yeah. So you've been doing this for a long time now. Yeah, I, feel I guess like. so. Yeah. So when I started, I will say I didn't really know what I was doing when it came to how do we get a band to play here that we really want to play sure. here? What do we do? Oh, we got to send an offer. What does that look like? Right. Oh, how, how do I know what to offer? Yeah. Who do I send it to? You know, all these questions. And then over time, I was like, I'm just learning this on my own kind yeah. of, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, we all, you know, every talent buyer that's a talent buyer in this business mm-hmm. had that moment where somebody had to be like, send an offer. And you're like, 500. Yeah. Show it's me like, how. It's like, no, that's not an <laughs> offer. Like, well, send an offer sheet. Okay, here's a sheet of paper that says 500 on it. And they're like, no, dumbass. Like, here's a $500 bill that I found. Right, right. right. And, it, you know, they always have, you always have that one agent who's like, we'll never give you a clue on what you should be offering. No, but no, but then there's the one that's just like, oh, God, here's the rookie. But like, I kind of like the spark this rookie has. Like, here's what an offer sheet should look like. Oh, okay. And, you know, I don't, and they come back. I guess to you. I don't know those people. It, it was always yeah. somebody that wasn't like, a big deal. It was like somebody that was kind of grinding okay. and it just got into it, you know? Right, right. And it's like, well, here's our sample offer sheet. Like, develop this. Okay, that's nice. I always had that too. Cause I mean, when, when, you know, I, I remember, uh, flipping out about a writer once. It was a show, like a hall show at a church and they sent me their writer and, you know, you just cross off what you're not going to provide, right? Mm-hmm. And the writers are, are just kind of like this thing that, but they had a writer that had like a case of beer on it and I went fucking crazy. It's like my first year. And I'm like, you are playing. I told you this is a church. Like, I can't give you beer. Are you fucking kidding me? And like, <laughs> and the guy's like, dude, it's a rider. Just th- th- this band had a $75 guarantee, right. but like they just signed with a, like a management company. So they had a rider, right. you know? And I was like, I'll get all the rest of this crap, but I'm not. And he's like, you don't have to provide any of it. Like it, do you not know? It's okay. And then the whole time he was like really nervous about the show the rest of the way, I think. And then the band came and played and there was like 200 kids just like, 200 little high school kids. All split in a case of beer? (laughs) No, but they were all having a great time, you know? And it was like the show worked out in the end. And that was, that was, I think that's always the thing about like that youthful energy that you bring to the table, like the naivety that you carry 
kind of is counterbalanced by like how excited everybody is about this new space mm-hmm. and this new room and the new people involved and like it kind of balances out, you know, I think the people that like you that are like willing to like fall flat on your face for a minute Mm -hmm. until you get it, as long as you're like persistent and you're there and you're like, look, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I really, really, really want guided by voices to play by venue. Um, they're like, okay, cool. You know what? Let's work this out. Let's figure it out. And then sometimes they just write you off forever and never email you back. And you're probably, yeah. I'm probably on some blacklist from like 12 years ago when I said something dumb because I didn't know what I was doing. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if I'm on anybody's list like that. I hope not, but you never know. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, the, the, the results are right here on the wall. Yeah. I think uh, yeah. you've done a pretty damn good job over nine years. So thank you. Um, was there ever a moment where you thought maybe music wasn't going to work out? No. You, you're that. I just know that it's ingrained in me and not, and even if it's not something that I'm working in for a paycheck, it's going to be a part of my life in, in a, in a big way. Yeah. Cause I just, I, I'm, I love it. It's what I care about. What do you feel about this city? What do you, when it comes to music? Just, yeah, I think maybe support for arts, but also just like in general, I mean, is it, you've lived your first 39 years here. So are you going to, this is where you live until you die? Uh, I mean, I hope not, but if I did, then okay, so be it. Um, I guess I will say that as far as supporting art, man, we're doing, we've come a long way, which isn't really saying much for us, I think, in this sure. area, yeah. but um, we have a really a long way to go, too. Yeah. Um, there's still people, a lot of people that live here that are in the mindset that, that art should be free. Yeah. Um, people who don't want to spend money on art, yeah. um, which is, is bothersome. You know, you have to change those people's minds. Yeah. Um, so that's something that I'm starting to see getting better. So something here that we have from day one is we say we don't do free shows. Yeah. Um, art needs to be paid for. And I will say, as a disclaimer, there probably have been like two or three Free yeah. things that were sponsored well, I think by I've, a brand I've talked or to you about a couple in the past, and yeah. you've kind of like redirected me. Like, look, cheap is fine. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, low ticket price is fine for certain things, but we we it just doesn't make sense for us to throw the doors open and like not be paying because the then you're tra- you're tra- right? you're training people to think that this should be free, yeah, um, and it shouldn't because it, it costs money. F- for us to be in this building, yeah. to have this building and, you know, all of the costs associated with that. And we want to make sure that people are getting paid well that come in and share their art yeah. with people. So that's something that we've been doing. And I feel like that has helped shift people's minds a little bit. Uh, since we've opened, obviously, you know, um, 20 Monroe Live Nation um, opened. And also just um, within the last month, we had um, the Studio Park Open Listening Room and so we're getting more sophisticated. The intersection in, has 12 or 13 rooms. Yes, right. They've added rooms. Yeah. So I feel like we're getting more sophisticated as um, a venue family in the city. Yeah. So that's great. Yeah. That's what I wanted to see. And yeah. it's exciting. Um, so, so you're starting to get people who are now willing to pay a little bit more to have a more intimate experience or something a little bit more special. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've, that's something that we're getting better at, but still like 
there are a lot of people that are like, well, can I get on that list though? Yeah. I don't want to pay fifteen dollars to see. I'm sorry. To see a really great band that came all the way from <laughs> right Florida or whatever. Sure. Speaking of things that cost a lot of money, you also uh, run a record label. Oh man, we uh, barely. Even, yeah, we <laughs> haven't even got into that. So you are the uh, the current sole owner of yeah. Dizzy Bird Records. Correct. Tell me that quick. Uh, um, so a friend of mine of and I. Uh, we went to a basement show, I think, in like 2013 or 14, and this band was playing, and they were f- so good. I was blown away, and as was my friend, and I'm like, where where did these kids come from? What are they doing next? And so we just asked them out for some beers, and we I don't even know if then we were thinking, we're going to launch a label. We just wanted to help them. Yeah. I don't know why. We just felt like... Yeah, I, I have all of that all the time yeah you know, like what are you guys you doing can tell next? the ones that like michigander and shortly and yeah a lot of spew back in the day it was like this is so flint eastwood this is so special that i have to be involved in some fashion yeah and sometimes that meant i managed and in your case you kind of like let's help you put out the record right and that's and i was like what is, what is your plan and they're like we really don't know and right. um i was band. like well let's put it out let's just let's let's record some songs and let's put it out and so then my friend and I were like, are we going to, are we going to be a label or what are we doing? And so that's sort of how it was born. My friend, Peter Fox, at the time, he's, he's not in Grand Rapids anymore, but owned Stonehouse Recording and offered to record the band, um, you know, on, on the house, basically, um, because we didn't have any startup money or anything like that. So, so you can't have free shows, but you can let Peter work for free. For well, okay, you know what? Right. He ended up getting yeah. he, he ended up getting paid in other ways. Sure, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so we did that. We put out this record um, from Heaters. I haven't even said the band's name yet. Heaters. Yeah. Yep. And it was it's it was great. It was it was it was beautiful. Um, it was called Solstice, and it was a ten inch. And then it that sort of like got the ball rolling to where. Um, I don't know if they ended up like going to South by or what. Anyways, they ended up playing Levitation yeah. is what they ended up playing in uh-huh. Austin. And by then they had already they had signed to a new label out of New York, Beyond Beyond is Beyond, who yeah. are awesome people, Mike and Dom. And so they I think they signed like a three or four record deal with them. So it was sort of like we helped them, like we just like helped launch them and then that was it. And we said bye, we love you. Right. Um, and and so, they still come back when they can. I mean, they're, they're yeah. Because uh, somebody's in Montreal now. Is yes. It no- Nolan. Yep. Nolan's in Montreal, and Andrew, well, who used to be in the band, um, but like has at their last show, like came and played some songs with them, which was really cool. He, he's in North Carolina now, so everyone's kind of like spread around. Um, but they've got Ben and Ryan, um, who I think are still hanging out in Grand Rapids. So, anyways, that was sort of the beginning of it. Um, since we we did like a. Uh, seven inch with Gringo Star because you know my friend who started with me was friends with those guys. Um, we did Harlequins. We did a full length with them out of Cincinnati. We met them at South by through Gringo Star. Um, cool Ghouls out of San Francisco. Um, Las Rosas out of Brooklyn, and they're all sort of kind of fit this kind of like psychedelic garage rock vibe. Sure. Um, Hollywood Makeout are from Grand Rapids. We put an album out with them. And actually, that's going to be my next release is their new record. So they're just finishing getting that mastered, and that's going to be the next thing. And I don't know if it's going to be the last thing because I'm running out of money. The label, it's just very expensive um, to keep pressing records. Um, 
They got to sell, right? Well, we've been, yeah, I've been doing events under the the Z-Bird name, so I don't know if it turns into like a label slash event company. I don't know. It's kind of like in up in the air right now. All I know is that I'm putting out this Hollywood makeout record and then I'm going to see what happens after that. Yeah. It doesn't have to have a period on the end of that sentence. You can leave that hanging and, you know, just that's, that's great. It's always uh, the uh, ethic and the, Dizzy Bird is always just kind of put forth this very specific feeling, yeah. which is what labels do, right? They yeah. kind of identify the niche that they love the most and they, they kind of like emanate that into the world. So it's like all these acts from around the, the country kind of share a similar, a little bit of a similar vibe. Yeah, totally. And, it, and yeah. So. Oh, Lazy Genius. I, I, sh- I should not forget them. Yeah. Um, fantastic Grand Rapids band <laughs> helped yeah. put out their last EP, which is really beautiful. Yeah, so it's kind of a mix of like Grand Rapids and and stuff. From and kind of just things there. that came our way. Yeah, you know that we liked and it makes we sense. got lucky on. So uh, we've we've just spent like an hour breaking down like what gets you out of bed. Okay, but is there anything else that gets you out of bed besides your kid and music? Like, is there another hobby or, or fun thing, or is there room for anything else? Um, Traveling, obviously. Yeah, I love I love getting on planes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know. I love I love my friends. I love socializing with them when yeah. I get time. Um, so yeah, we play cribbage every week. Oh, on okay. Wednesdays. That is if not, you know how to play cribbage. I don't. Um, that is not something I would have expected you to drop that on we, me. We try to do on Wednesday night. That's so cool. Yeah, it's fun. Um, John, John does. Uh, John was telling me yesterday that he does uh improv every Friday night. What? Yeah. He's like a like like he's been doing it for years. That's and so they cool. perform every Friday night in Chicago at like ten thirty in the evening. And like for a concert promoter to set aside every Friday night wow. for years. I mean years and years and years he's been doing this and um he's got a pretty good little like troop going. Yeah. Um but yeah, you you would see that maybe in like how effervescent his personality yeah. is, but you also wouldn't just like plug that in. Just right. like I wouldn't I wouldn't put cribbage past you because, hey. like, when you guys travel, you travel and you do that, like, get the cool, like, cabin in the woods where everybody has, like, the big communal. Like, uh-huh. I, I feel yeah, like that's, that. it's always, like, all your homies. I don't have any of those kind of friends. But I also don't drink, so, like, I don't go, like, get the cabin in the woods and, like, never leave. Just, like, fill up the fridge with alcohol and, like, play board games right. and just, like, see what happens. Well, there's you know? hiking, too. Right, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right, you can't, you, I mean, you can drink all day, but it's probably not the best idea. But, like, so I guess cribbage would be just, not that far down the road. Yeah, it's know? just nice to have, like, a, a weekly thing that is constant. And then when I, now that I'm saying that, I'm like, well, we don't always do it sure. every well, week. But who, who, just to have something that... Does? Have a group of people that get together and yeah, organizing group events. I really love doing that. Um, you know, we do, um, uh, the winter trip, but then there's also something that we do every August called Mom Bomb and it's all moms and their kids. And we yeah. all go camping for a weekend on Lake yeah. Michigan. And, um, I think this last, it's growing, growing, growing. We're yeah. like about to take over the whole damn park, but this year I feel like there were, Somewhere like forty to fifty moms, holy cow, and a bunch of kids, and we they all they just run around, and it's kids who are you know like six months old to sixteen years old. Yeah, so that's that's a pretty fun thing to to do. So like big group things like that, but then also just like hanging out one on one. I yeah. feel like I do really well. Yeah, in that too. So sick. It keeps it like you. Uh, yeah, you know, I told you like how 
you made it okay for me to be a dad, sort of. Not, I'm overstating it probably, but you definitely like encouraged me without saying anything. That, right. Like, you can do this. There are days where I'm just like, I'm just going to just lay on the couch, you know? And yeah. then I like see something on Instagram. I'm like, damn, Nicole has got like people out. It looks awesome. <laughs> like, I'm going to go put some fucking pants on. I'm going to go find some people to hang out with. Right. Um, yeah. Well, and then there's the going to shows. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm such a fortunate soul to be able to work in a place where I get to see so much great music, but yeah. then also I'm in Detroit or Chicago all the time to check out shows. So I yeah, love, I love going to live Angel shows. Olsen the other night, yeah. right? Was yeah. that awesome? Beautiful. I'm sure it was yeah. wonderful. Magical. Yeah. I've been trying to book her at the, the church here for like two years. Let's make it happen. I'm trying. Yeah. So that's what I probably spend most of my money on. (laughs) Right. Concert tickets and airplane tickets. When you go to like the Detroits and the Chicago's, you just buy tickets. You're not like playing the guest list game. No, I I don't even know who to ask, but also I'm kind of like, I shouldn't, I shouldn't claim that. Sure. You know, I'm in the business. Right. Well, that or like, Hey, you, I expect people to pay. So I pay. Right. If somebody offers, Hey, sure. But yeah, I don't think that I, I pull that card. So what slows you down? We know what gets you out of bed. What slows you down? What what uh, hinders you? What hinders me? I don't know. What's... Oh, man, I guess like if I get sick or something, I'm kind of a uh, uh, tyrant. Yeah. You know, if, I, if I'm like, like I have the flu or a cold or something, I'm not really easy to be around. Um, yeah, I don't know what slows me down. I think maybe if I have a run of shows where there's like six in a row and they've all been crazy and then I need like a day. Yeah. Just to after like, being around people. Don't email me. Don't talk to me. My yeah. phone's turned off. Yeah. So yeah, I think just, you know, not much, but yeah, I, I feel like if I'm around a lot of people for a lot of days in a row, that kind of hinders me a little bit. Yeah. I think that's natural. Yeah. Uh, give me one musical artist that you believe in right now that you're really behind at this current moment. Oh, man. Um, Something you're vibing on. This is like your chance to earn some cool points and like drop okay, somebody I'm else. I'm trying so. to think of like somebody who's like kind of not made it or is yeah, making maybe, it. Maybe. I mean, you know, uh, Mo said Taylor Swift. So, I mean, we, the, the. Okay. The, so it can the, be anyone. This thing is wide open, but. Uh, um, Somebody who is, is big, I feel like, but I had no idea the level of talent that was there until I went to Afropunk this summer. <laughs> is FKA Twigs. Oh, yeah. Um, I had no idea how she was going to blow me away. Yeah. I was just, I it was almost like I didn't even feel like I was in a field of people. It was just like a tunnel vision on her. Like her and you, personal yeah, concert. she was just, Yeah. she was so magical and she's all muscle. She does this pole dance routine. Yeah. I, I just was like everybody. I think feel like everybody's jaws were just on the ground. They weren't yeah. expecting that part of the show. Just captivating performer. Captivating, like the, yeah. um, amazing costumes, um, beautiful voice, just uh, lots of talent. She had a um, a sword a sword routine. Yeah. That she did that she had been practicing for months. That was cool. Just brought out this huge samurai sword and did this thing. So anyway, she blew me away. So I've been listening a lot to her new album, which. I don't know if I would be had I not caught her set. I don't know. Um, Let's see. I'm trying to think of who else I've been listening to nonstop lately. 
Yeah, give me like your A and R. Put on your A and R hat. And give me something that like maybe you think oh. should be big or or is going to be big soon or whatever. Okay, um, someone who I saw a couple years ago actually at South by um, Sudan Archives. Yes, she's Familiar. crazy awesome. Yeah, um, and I'm I'm feeling like she's on the rise right now too. Um, she's playing. Deluxe Flux, I think, or Outflux? yeah, yeah, I Deluxe saw that. Deluxe Flux, I think, yeah, and also in Chicago too. Yeah. So, anyway, so I'm gonna try to. I always forget, to like get her. you're halfway, like you're not just I gonna know. go to Detroit. You can eat just as easily go to Chicago for right. a show because you're like halfway in between. Yeah, so I'm, I would really Which love means we to still get have her. Two hours to drive home after this, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, we were just in Chicago, so. Um, so yeah, those two. I'm I'm trying yeah. to think of like. And and then you know what's going to happen is when we wrap this up and I'm be like you know who I should have said, um, right? Like who's the shout out you missed? Like if you were if you were you know on one person's team or whatever that like right? I mean, I there are so many talented musicians in Grand Rapids. It's crazy. So I don't want to just like single out somebody sure. because there's so many people making beautiful things. Um, and the band that I would say I don't think is a band anymore. So that's like. Yeah, I think I, I think maybe that's the, that sh- the shout out is. is like check out Grand Rapids music in general. And- well, yeah, yeah, you can do that. Um, but I probably should shout out Hollywood Makeout because they're on my label. And I think they're a fantastic <laughs> band. Yeah, yeah. And all the musicians are just like really good. They're super fun to watch. Yeah. Um, they've got great chemistry on stage. Um, and their new songs are so good. Yeah. I'm so excited about this record. I need to dig in a little deeper on that one. Yeah. I, I've seen you post about them, but just never really like went down the rabbit hole per se. Yeah. So send me I will. Send me the track. Send okay. me the one that's gonna be like, oh, all right. I will. Absolutely. Your favorite music memory. Um Wow, that's hard. Yeah, it's big. I'm probably gonna go with a show here though, because that's probably what my has You've already what, dropped like six of them on us already. But yeah, probably because um, that's what's at the forefront of my memory. And I feel like every show here is special in its own way. But um, in 2013, oh, man, this is going to be hard. I think it's 2013. We had Charles Bradley here. Yeah. And um, he was really not feeling well that day. And I like made him tea and went and got him soup. And we actually hung out in here. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, like had the heater on for him and stuff. And as down as he was, he was, he still went out there, did a killer show, was so sweet to all of his fans. And that was maybe my third or fourth time seeing him perform. But the fact that it was here made it so much more special. Then I saw him maybe three or four times after that. And just the man was so good with people and he made everybody feel so special yeah and that's what made him special um but just so full of love and i don't know why we don't experience this more in this industry because music is the unifier but the different people that he brought together in one room in one space um at that show here, I was standing right on the steps that are that come to the green room. It's kind yeah. of like my spot. Your spot. I know where to look for you and yeah. show that you that you're like into the music. Yeah, I'll be there. Yeah. Um, but I just like was crying the yeah. whole time. I was so happy. I was so moved by him. Um, every the the show sold out. Yeah. And everybody here, I still feel like 
when we talk, when we go like every year, when I, when we go through our history, we're like, what was your favorite show this year? What was your favorite show of all time? So many people name that show because of how special it was. And, you know, especially since we've lost him, but I feel like he touched so many people in such a short amount of time that he was um, performing, you know, as himself. Yeah. Um, it was just, it was so incredible to watch and so magical. And I feel like that's why it's special is because you don't see that happening very much now. Yeah. Okay. That's a good one. I wish I would have seen him live. I, uh, again, just one of those things, you only have time for so many things right. and you see it and you're like, oh, if I happen to run into that, it'd be super great. But just never like personal, you know, went out of my way to make it happen. And then yeah. thinking that, that you're going to have lots of time. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And, and then just, oh. Well, I guess that is not possible anymore. That was a hard one, too. I remember in the, being in the car and hearing that he had passed. Like, I must have been listening to satellite radio or something, and I just, yeah. like, pulled over and sobbed. Yeah. Because I feel like everybody felt like they knew him. Yeah. Because he well, made right. them feel that way. Right, right. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, well, special man. Yeah. So, uh, to transition, uh, your worst music moment. Oh, man. It could be industry. It can be whatever. Yeah, I can. I'm not. I'm gonna. I'm gonna start naming one person that I can't stand in the music industry, and I won't call that my worst moment though. Yeah. Um, worst. I don't know. That's so hard. Music memory. Worst music memory. Um. So okay, I'm gonna go with this. I'm gonna go with another thing here. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this is where you live. Okay. This is where we're sitting right now. So we were p- still pretty green. I don't know if it was like the first year or second year, but we had an act come in who had their own sound tech, their own front of house person who, from what I hear, because I, I don't know exactly, I didn't like talk directly to that person after the show. Yeah. Um, but they were kind of like a friend of somebody in the band. And, and they were new, right? They were kind of new. I think I know who you're talking about. We don't need to name the names or anything. Right. But. So there, it was kind of like a... Um, an, an act that was up and coming and is now huge. But um, well, that's what's great about this room is that we can be like a launching pad for these bands, like right when they're about sure. to blow up. And I love that. But anyways, there was some issue with with the sound and feedback and it just wasn't getting corrected. And it was just like, uh, it was like time stopped. Yeah. You know, the, and there was like no getting through it. There was no repairing it. We had our guys here like trying to fix it. And basically we would have had to have like wiped everything and started from the beginning because sure. they couldn't pinpoint it. In front of the from. crowd. Right. Or clear the room and yes. start over. And just right. the heat probably coming up the back of your oh neck. And like just, yeah, yeah. It was terrible. I'll never forget that feeling. And also we had people <laughs> in the house reviewing the show which were, they were writing about it in the press, so they had to. And it was early enough on. That, it was early that, enough on where people like, were like, does it even sound good there? But does right. it, what's going on? Do they know what they're doing? And it was like, oh man. Right. Because it doesn't, people don't think about who's actually working yeah. the board or, you know, they're just sure. like, oh, that, it's the place. Right. You know. Or it's their speakers or whatever. Right. Yeah. It's like. So, yeah, that was, that's never happened again. Yeah. Great, you know, I'm very grateful for that, but I'll never forget just like standing there sweating and feeling absolutely helpless. Yeah. And not be, and then people coming up to me going, What's going on? What are you doing? Right. You know, like, I don't know. I don't we know. had a, we had a moment and I could name the band. It, it, it's a little more comfortable as far as that goes. It was a lot of dispute thing at the Crowfoot. And, uh, um, they had a touring sound guy that was relatively new, but he was, he was talented in that regard. He just, he just made a mistake and, 
I don't know the ins and outs of sound, but basically he applied like reverb to the reverb channel and created this sound loop that blew the tweeters in the entire, oh. like, like little shards of glass were falling down and it oh blew the God. entire sound system. <gasps> and we had to replace all the tweeters, but it was at the end of the show. So the rest of like the last two songs of La Dispute were all just lows and mids because the highs, it blew all, all the right. tweeters out of the entire thing. And it was just, it was just like a, Oops, you know, like a big board that, you know, yeah. this band is there like moving from here to here, mm-hmm. which is what happened with your thing. You know, they started off as like DIY independent and then they're starting to play some things and people are starting to come see them. And it was just like, thankfully, because a lot of speeds so kind of like rowdy and whatever, the band didn't hear anything because the monitors were fine. So they didn't affect their performance. And right. It was right towards the end and they just ripped and the kids just screamed the words anyway. And right. it didn't really like, exactly. but we knew something was wrong. Mm-hmm. And afterwards we had to, you know, pull the, pull the lineries down and literally every single tweeter in all 20 wow. speakers or whatever was Damn. just shattered. And there was just shards of like the, the, whatever that glass type material that kind of covers them all in one moment. It was like this big ring out of feedback where it was just like, Yee! Right. You know, as, oh, I, as I just blew up all of our ears. But thank uh, goodness for a lot of Spute fans because they know every single lyric. Yeah, nobody knew. <laughs> nobody <laughs> right. knew. We knew. We all were like, oh, God, but like, we're going to survive this, uh-huh. you know? But like, if you get it from the beginning of the set, like you guys had going on. Right. Yeah. So I, that was something that I, I just remember. Fe- I, I don't like feeling helpless. Yeah. And so I remember that after that night, I said, I'm going to learn how to run front of house. I'm going to, it's going to just be something that I learn how to do. And you, and you guys are going to teach me and that still hasn't happened, but it's still sure. something that I want to do. Yeah. Just if we're in a pinch or something. And I don't know, yeah. I should know how to do that. I know the very basics, but like, I would definitely be the guy that would end up in a problem attic, you know, like, oh, my push this button and I don't know what it did. Right, you got to call someone. Right. <laughs> um, well, that's a good advice. Do you have any advice for fellow creative types? I, I hate the question that comes up in every like industry or, or job inter, like inter, interview or podcast where it's like, how can somebody become a talent buyer? Yeah. And it's like, well, you have to kill me and take my job. Like, right. that's really, I don't want to tell you how to do that. So, but like, do you have advice? Uh, you know, you well, say, first of all, the person that's asking you that question should be paying you. To, <laughs> right. to tell you what, yeah, yeah, this yeah. whole thing of like, you know, I really want to pick your brain. Can, uh, can we meet up sometime? I'm like, yeah. well, are you, what am I getting right. out of that? Yeah, like, yeah. Are you, are you paying me for my it's time? It's one thing you, if it's like a college kid or whatever. Or a buddy like, or something yeah, or a friend right, of a right. friend. But like, yeah, you'll have fellow people like, hey, I want to throw a festival. Right. And it's like, okay, well, there's a whole thing. Like, I'm not going to share all the secrets that I've learned over the years. Right. I'm so, happy to share secrets within with my friends or, sh- you know, show you a little yeah. Google Drive magic every once in a while. I know you're my hero with Google Drive. Um, but like, do you have any general advice for people who are creative and trying to make a, a go at it? Sure. Um, okay. First, have something to show, whether that be music or you know, have something organized and ready to go. Yeah. Don't just write an email that says, we want to play sometime and you don't have a link to music. You haven't told me you don't have a, a plan. date. There's no plan that, yeah. you know, um, so have something like tangible for somebody to look at or listen to. Yeah. Um, so that is going to take work on your part before you even approach anyone. Um, and that's, I guess, just for artists sake. Um, as far as like, I mean, just be excited, be, be excited to want to push your show, you yeah. know, like we're going to do a show and 
I think I'm going to get 200 people here. How? Yeah. That just doesn't happen. Yeah. People don't just show up. Yeah. You have to do the work and you have to let people know. And sometimes you have to be annoying about it. Yeah. Sometimes you think, oh, you know what? I made a post yesterday. Maybe I'll wait and post again. I don't know. Post like five times a day. Yeah. It's fine. There's so much information out there. And people have, have the to tools break to, through that. Yeah. People have the tools to like unfollow if you're annoying. But if right. they support you, they're going to be like, yeah, go get that shit. Right. Get it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sell your shit out until you're sold out. You better. I'll scream about it. Yeah. You know, like. You got to be passionate about it. And yeah. I think when people are, that shows in their work ethic. Um, so, yeah, you just have to actually give a lot of effort. And it's going to be frustrating because sometimes the effort won't pan out. But yeah. if you keep at it and you're consistent, it will. Yeah. I mean, marketing 101 right there. Like, yeah. you know, 80%, 90% of what you do lands on no one. Right. It's the 10% that hopefully hits and hits hard. Yeah. And, and, you know. And if you have friends who are fans and really believe in you, get them talking about your show or sure. your new album or whatever. Because if it's constantly coming from you, people are like, okay, well, of course they're doing that because it's their thing. But if you have people who believe in you and they're talking about it and you're seeing, okay, now there's like a hype machine that's starting people to roll. People love to be, to put their A&R hat on, even if they don't even know what that means. Okay. People love, especially people who frequent a place like this, those people desire to be the cool person that knows about something. Yeah. And tells their friend and, and like turns their friend onto something, whether it's right. like the new restaurant in town, whether yeah. it's the, the drink they made or mm-hmm. whether it's the band that they, you know, are like the first one to be cool, you know, right. like. Yeah. How about those people who you'll, you'll do an ad for a show and they'll comment who? Right. Well, I've never heard of this band culture. before. Yeah. That's, they go, well, okay. Yeah. Tell me about Fake your favorite news. band. Did you have to hear them? For the first time, yeah. at some point, you yeah. did. Yeah. So what are you talking about? Those are called trolls, and I've <laughs> I've tried very, very, very hard to just like block them out of my life entirely. And yeah, it's, sometimes it's hard to convince people to come spend money on a show if they've never quote unquote heard of this band sure. before. Sure. And part of my job is to be like, okay, you probably haven't heard of this band, but let me tell you why you should come see them. Yeah. And we just had a fantastic band here a couple of weeks ago, and um, Sarah Tones. From yeah. Louisiana. Yep. And I was just like begging people to come to this I show. I passed on that show because it was too early in the audio tree thing. Right, you right. Know? Um, Fantastic show. Everybody yeah. that came was like, whoa, I had no idea. Thank yeah. you for convincing me yeah. to come. Yep. And then a lot of people who saw video and stuff were like, oh, I should have went. Right. Like, So my job is to try to get people to come see people they might have not heard about. Yeah. But the more stuff that a band has to share, the better for us, too, as promoters mm-hmm. to be able to have yeah. more material. So. Yeah. Just have stuff ready and have stuff that looks good and sounds good. How do you plan or how I'm not even going to say plan cuz you do this on a daily basis. Like how do you affect change in your position like socially or, or you know. I mean pyramid schemes great because you have you have, you know, solar panels on the roof and you mm-hmm. have a sign up that says bring any trash to the bar right? because we don't have a lot of trash here. And we, yeah, like, we probably, like, but like, what are you, what are you passionate about like changing in this world and how, how do you use your position to, to do that? I would say both. First of all, the environmental impact that any business has is very important. So the fact that we do solar and we compost almost everything. So yeah. we don't do straws, but if somebody wants one, we have them upon request. And those are compostable. Yep. All of our like beverage, napkins, all that stuff, all compostable. So mm-hmm. when it comes to trash, we don't even have 
trash service here. We yeah. have only recycling and compost. But um, so that's one thing that it's really that's really important to me. And it's awesome to work for people who are also equally passionate about that. Yeah. Um, also, I would say like getting um, people who are underrepresented in the music community on that stage. Yep. Um, so we and try in to the building I and mean, in the building and we're going to, you know, the next podcast we're going to do in like an hour is we're going to go over and see Ty, who's right. like a star. Amazing. Here amazing. Yeah. Um, and, and he, he, he wants to be our mascot and I'm like, he already is. Yeah. And when he uses <laughs> his voice, uh, I can't wait to get into it and like with him and, and like talk about how powerful a voice he is for other people that have accessibility needs and things like that. Exactly. But like you guys are kind of, I don't want to say the gold standard, but like, like people look at the pyramid scheme and like, okay, they're doing this right. They're doing this right, right. They're doing this right. Right. Has there been struggles along the way? I mean, do you feel like uh, there's been any pushback or is this the type of place where like, it's just widely celebrated that like you're trying to be more diverse that you're, you know, I guess yeah. it's the same people that it's like, celebrated there. Yeah. There's, there's only been like a few instances where like maybe something was um, like misconstrued or misunderstood, but sure. it's something that has been followed up on and cleared up. But yeah. otherwise yeah, I feel from my point, from my position and, and that's just from someone who's like in here and like living here basically in it day in and day out. But, um, I don't hear a lot of stories of people feeling unsafe. Yeah. We posted a safety policy before that was something that I feel like people, like a lot of venues were doing, Mm -hmm. um, to make people feel like they're cared for here and that if anything does happen that they feel comfortable coming to, any pe- person that's working. Yep. Um, so I feel like that helps. Um, Cause anywhere where there's alcohol, things get like, yeah. uh, kind of get out of control sometimes. Right. And like, just knowing that you have an ally in a red shirt with a, yeah. di- with a dinosaur face on it, like that you can just be like, yo, uh, can you come yeah, absolutely. fix this for me? Or, yeah. So uh, I'm passionate about, I'm passionate about making sure that people feel safe when they're here. And, um, I'm not saying that we 100% know what that means. Sure. But we're here and we're open to learning with everybody. Yeah. Um, Your ears are, 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 you know, primed to listen. Yeah. If there's other opportunities for you to do certain things. Yeah. Yeah. To help a a community or or an individual. Right. Yeah. Um, Well, that's what's so special for me about this place. I mean... I love the layout. I love the art. I love the pin. Well, I hate pinball, but because I suck at it, but I love that there is pinball here and get to pump a few quarters in yeah. every so often. The drink prices are, are fair. Everything, everything like about this place checks the boxes, but yeah. like that's the most important thing for me. It's right. like that family atmosphere. Like yeah. everybody that's here, I'm going to, I'm, I'll jump in front of a truck for you. Right. Maybe that's an extreme case, but like you've got everybody's back here. Yeah. It's really that cool. and, um, supporting, area people who are working in nonprofits that we care about the work that they're doing yeah so doing benefit shows those tribute shows that we do um always benefit a grand rapids nonprofit that's like doing work that we find really important yeah so um being able to have events that support those places also is like a big part of what we do and you know, like at events, if, if we're if we're having um, a benefit show, making sure that that nonprofit is here and has information and also has time on the mic to talk about what they're doing. Yeah. Um, it's just another way to support what's going on in Grand Rapids. Yeah. Something that we're, we're really excited to be able to do. You're doing, you're doing the work, Nicole. Yeah. 
you're doing the work and I love it. I love being a part of it. And, uh, it's been really exciting to watch it grow over the years and can't, can't wait to see what's next. I know me too. Not a surf. That's what's next. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. That is. And lady uh, fest. Yeah. Lady fest yeah. 2020. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're going to close it out with a speed round. Okay. Cause it's getting colder and colder in here. Oh, you can turn that on if you want. Oh, I'm sorry. My, my parking meter is going to expire <laughs> in like 15 minutes. Okay. And we got to go hang out with Ty and do this all over right. again. Please tell him I bit, said so hello. I will. I okay. will. Um, but we're going to do a speed round to finish it out. Give me the first thing that comes to mind. You can go deep on it if you want, or you can just name it and we'll move on to the next one. But some of these are going to trip you up a little bit. Best album of all time. <laughs> I wish faces were part of, of podcasts because Nicole just dropped a, a amazing face on that one. Oh my God. That is going to, that's going to be impossible of all time. Um, Give me the first one that flashed into your head when I said it. Was it, there, one? there wasn't there one that flashed been. into my head and there's, there's so many that I find perfect. Okay, I'm going to go with, and this is not my final answer, but I'm going to go with Amen Dune's Love. Okay, all right. Never even, I don't think I've listened to that, so I need to. It's one of my favorites. Uh, you've given me a bunch, but your favorite uh, concert experience, would that be Charles Bradley? If we, mm, or is that there one, one would probably be up there, yeah. Um, I really love the OCs. Yeah? Yeah. Where'd They're you see that? One of my favorite here? bands. No, no. Um, no, I wish. Um, I just recently saw them two nights back to back at Talia Hall, but I've oh, seen them. Nice. Yeah. Uh, they're probably the band that I've seen the most. I think I'm up to like 15. Wow. Or something like that. Okay. But anyway. Good. Uh, through all of this, do you have time to watch TV ever? Uh, yes. What are you binge watching right now? Or what's the most recent binge watch? I just binge watched, <coughs> binged watched, binged watched, binge watched Transparent. Okay. It's okay. on Amazon Prime, and it was fantastic. Okay, cool. Um, here's another one that'll make your face do funny things. Uh, best musical performer of all time? Tina Turner. Okay. All right. All right. There we go. I like that. Uh, albums or singles? Albums. You're going to be... I, I know the answer to the next one. I Festivals, yay or nay? Yay. You have the energy for it somehow. Yeah. I don't know how you do it. It depends on, I like prefer the smaller festivals. Sure. The big ones I'm like, I used to be in my, when I was in my twenties, yeah. I was all about like going to Lollapalooza and doing all this stuff. Fair. But I like the smaller, like more think, tight knit curated ones niche, that are niche. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right like right. Milwaukee Psych Fest is a favorite. Um, uh, the Pygmalion. Yeah. You know, it's like those, those I really enjoy. Okay, cool. What's the one in uh, Levitation? Levitation's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, even though last year, what was it like? They just got, they just came back this year and now they're doing, they did it in October as but opposed what, to April. Wasn't there one that like, was that the hurricane or was some sort was of floods. like, floods. There was floods and it kind of like washed some of it or yeah. all of it out or something. That was a couple of years ago. We were down there for it. Yeah. And it, but it you was guys so had like sick. a really memorable weekend in the end. A lot it, of bands yeah. had already shown up. Yeah. So they did these $5 shows at all of these different venues in Austin and then the money went to this nonprofit yeah. and we were still able to catch like all 20 yeah. acts that we wanted to see. So it was great. But then they went away for I think a couple of years and brought it back and we're like, you know what? Screw April. It's too wet and rainy. We're going to yeah. do it in October. So oh, okay. I'll be going okay. next year. Got it. Okay. Uh, a controversial opinion that you hold. Um, I feel like anybody that's um, imprisoned with a drug charge needs to be set free. Okay. Yep. 
That's that could be. I don't think that's very controversial. Like if you brought that up at my family Thanksgiving, that would be controversial. Okay. My my parents would be like, um, guilty pleasure. You're so wide range. I don't know if you're guilt. You're gonna feel guilt for anything that you listen to, but anything that you something that I listen to. It can be listened to, or it could be food, or it can be. Okay. TV or whatever, whatever you're, you're guilty. Oh, I'll go with TV because this is something that I don't admit very often, but, um, I watch The Bachelor and The Bachelorette on ABC when it's on. And I would not have called that one. (laughs) Not at all. So basically we watch it as in like a, um, an ironic way. Sure. So where we like to kind of like make fun of it a little bit, but, but also still also obsessed with it. Um, not necessarily obsessed, but we do something called, there's like a fantasy league where you can kind of like, you can win. Uh, basically my friends and I who are in Hollywood make out. Yeah. We play the fantasy league. Yeah. Bachelor, bachelor. So you each pick like who's, who's going to last to yeah, which, which right. stage of whatever. And then wh- yeah. whoever wins, they, the other people have to either make or buy dinner for them at the end. Okay. So. That's fun. And yeah. that just makes it fun. Because right. it's like, it's kind of like watching wrestling or whatever. Right. It's just, it's kind just of a dumb, so ridiculous. Stupid, and, stupid entertainment. And yeah, exactly. Very cool. Uh, where can we find out more about... What you do on the interwebs. PyramidSchemeBar.com, DizzyBirdRecords.com, W-Y-C-E dot O-R-G. O-R-G. I love how you always say that on the yeah. radio. I listen yeah. to your shift. Because org just doesn't sound great org. on the radio. Oh, org. I don't know why. That's fine. You've always spelled it out every time I've listened to you. I think because if you're spelling out W-Y-C-E, yeah. you might as well spell out the rest. Okay. You know? All right. Yeah, I guess I never People are going to be typing yeah. it in. Right. So anything else we miss that you want to share? Oh my gosh, so much, but we don't have time for that. That's okay. But this has been like a nice little therapy session. So Heck yeah. thanks. I love you. I love I'm you really too. proud of you. Thank you. I'm proud of you too. And I Go can't Audio wait. Tree Presents. I, whoop, whoop. Yeah, I can't wait to keep doing this together. So yeah, thanks me for doing too. Was this was this was it was it scary? You were a little you were a little I was nervous. I was nervous because I'm just I'm always nervous talking about me. Okay. You know? Well you you can talk about you. Yeah. You're an impressive uh human being. Thank so you. Keep, I appreciate keep talking that. about you. Okay. And keep doing your thing. Thanks, right. Nicole. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Nicole's such a badass. Uh special thanks to Nicole Larray of Pyramid Scheme for joining us on the podcast. Uh special thanks to my producer, Tyler Floyd. Appreciate you. Appreciate you too. You can find us online at herefornowpodcast.com. Shoot us an email at herefornowpod at gmail.com. And find us on social media at herefornowpod. Next episode, the last of season one, number seven, we're going to get into it with a visual artist and advocate for accessibility, Ty Dykema. Can't wait for that one. Hope you join us. Thanks for your time. Have a great day. Take care.